Um, one of the things that I, that I found out as I began to prepare for today was this. There's no way I'm going to finish the 23rd Psalm today. Uh, the more I've dug into this, the more information. I sent, this, I sent this out to the staff earlier in the week when I finished today's teaching. And, and I was talking with Jeff this morning. He goes, man, you got a lot of stuff. And I'm going, yeah, you're going to feel like you've been drinking from a fire hose by the time we get finished here this morning. But last week, we, we introduced the 23rd Psalm, and we, we stopped at He Restores My Soul. So I don't, I'm not going to do a big recap. I just want to say this. Um, to understand the 23rd Psalm, you cannot look at it through the eyes of shepherd, but you have to look at it through the eyes of a sheep. Okay? Um, there's a reason why the analogy that Christ uses all through the New Testament, that we're sheep, God uses it all through the, the entirety of Old and New Testament, that his followers, his children, we're the sheep of his pasture, all of these kind of things. And, and, and like I told you last week, it just kind of, it, it insults my intelligence at some levels because sheep are just dumb, you know? And I just feel like when I'm reading this that God's just going, dummy? You know, you're just dumb, Phil. You're just dumb. And all I can say to it is just, meh. That's, that's all I can say to that, you know? So as we, as we talk through this today, just keep that in mind. And I promise you, I'm not going to keep you forever this morning. If we, if we don't finish what I prepared for today, we'll cap it off and we'll catch it before the year's out somehow. Um, today we begin with this part of it. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So it talks about, first and foremost, let's talk about the leadership of God. He leads me. He leads me. He led me beside quiet waters. You know, he leads me in the paths of righteousness. God is never behind us driving us anywhere. It's the interesting thing about sheep is this. You can't drive sheep like you do cows. You have to get out. The shepherd has to be in front of the sheep, and he has to stay in front of the sheep, and they will follow wherever he goes, but he has to be in the lead. God is never behind us, pushing us or driving us anywhere. All right? When we look at Israel, when they left Egypt, uh, they go into the wilderness out of Egypt, and they have a cloud by day and, a, and fire by night that leads them. It's in front of them the entire time. That talks about he leads me in the paths of righteousness. And it's real easy for us to get kind of hung up on, on terminology with some of this stuff because a lot of times, oh, we need to, we need to really dig into righteousness. What is, he, what is the writer really saying about the righteousness that we should be adhering to when it comes to the 23rd Psalm? He leads me in paths of righteousness. And I just got to tell you, it just simply means this, right paths. It's not some ominous spiritual mystery that we've got to, to do an exegesis on and kind of figure out, well, what does this letter mean and what does that letter mean? It just means he leads me down the right road. He leads me down the right road. And you guys know me. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just Phil, and I'm, I grew up in Panama City, and I'm just a country boy type redneck kind of a guy, and, and, and it's got to be simple. It's got to be simple. And, and it's not that I don't, you know, I, I study and do all that kind of stuff, but I just like the simplicity of God's word. It's not as, as heavy as we try to make it out. There are a lot of people that try to teach this stuff from a perspective of that you have to have a degree in rocket science to be able to understand what Jesus said. And he just spoke in common everyday terms, parables, but it's just everyday understandable terms. The paths of righteousness is simply this. It is the right paths, not path, paths. Multiple paths, paths for my mind, 
paths for my body, paths for my soul, or paths for my spirit. Multiple paths in life. He leads me. What he's saying to us in this passage is that as a sheep, may I think right in each of the pathways of my life. For example, I need my mind renewed by the, by the, to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. How do we do that? Through the word of God. That's how we think correctly. So our mind is renewed. He says, I offer my body as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing unto you, God. And he also talks about my spirit. And my spirit is one that has to be built up. Why are you de- so downcast on my soul? Think on God. Lift, be lifted up in our spirit. The right paths is what he's talking about here. Now, in this statement here, there's three descriptive statements. The shepherd causes the sheep to lie down. He causes them to approach quiet orders carefully. And he also says that they're to be led faithfully on correct paths. Once again, we see God's role from a sheep's perspective, looking at the shepherd. The shepherd emphasizes his role as provider in this poem. Grass and water are the necessities of sheep's life. The shepherd knows how to find both of them. He leads hungering, thirsty sheep to them. So the paths of righteousness mean no more than the right path. In other words, that's the path that gets you where you need to go. Don't get hung up on what is the path. The Bible talks about there's a voice in the wilderness that said, this is the way, walk in it. Listen to it. Sheep understand the voice. They hear the voice of the shepherd. You read, when you read about shepherding and all this kind of stuff, you find out there are a lot of times at night they would, they would sit on the hillside while the sheep were bedding down and they would sing to them. They would sing to them to bring ease to the, to the sheep that are there. All this kind of stuff. When you see, you read the poem, you go, oh, that's a nice poem. And it's probably the most, most famous of all passages in the Bible. But there's such a deliberateness to what God is trying to get across to us. David was a shepherd. He's referring to his heavenly father as his shepherd. He's going, look, I know sheep and I know how to do this kind of thing. And I want you to see that God is the great shepherd in all of our life. He's going to take us down the right paths where we, the path that we need to go. Now, there's also a moral element that we've got to connect here in this wording. If the shepherd and the sheep are images of a life that is fully dependent on trust and trusting on God, then the paths of righteousness take on this meaning. Here it is. It is a way of life that fulfills God's expectation for the sheep or the follower. Do you know that God expects things of you and I? God has expectations of you and I. He's given us his word to live by. He's given us his teaching to live by. And God expects us to live that way. We don't have the luxury of going, well, God, I know your Bible said that, but I think it would be better if I did it this way. You can do that, and he'll go, okay. He'll just go, hey, I gave you free will. You can choose that path if you want to, but just from the shepherd's perspective, that's not the path I'm leading you down. It's not the right path for this area of your life. We need to be on the right path. We don't get the luxury. Let me say it this way. We should not take the luxury of doing things our way because a shepherd expects us to live his way. Yeah, but you don't understand what's happened to me. It's irrelevant. Yeah, but I was born this way or I have this going on. All of those things are irrelevant. This is how God says to live. God expects his sheep to follow the shepherd's instruction and leadership. He leads me in paths of righteousness. Now, here's the, here's the deal. 
if sheep left to their own devices, um, it's a mess. We're going to talk a lot about that this morning. I'm telling you, sheep left alone, they overgraze land. They destroy parcels of property. There are some of the most, the only thing that is more destructive than a sheep left unshepherded is pigs. Seriously. I mean, sheep will eat every ounce of grass and they will pull the roots up out of the ground and turn a beautiful pasture into a barren wasteland. Left to their own devices. So if we're talking about the leadership of God, he leads me in paths of right. If he leads me down the right path, the path I'm supposed to take, this only happens when you and I, as those sheep, decide to follow the leadership of God. You've got to be willing to be led, which means you don't get to go your own way. You choose to follow the shepherd. Got to get a witness in the house this morning. All right. Then he says, for his namesake. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The shepherd acts in ways that reveal and confirm his character and nature. In the Hebrew culture, uh, names were a big deal. A personal name was often thought to reveal the character of the individual that was named. We see the revelation of God's name to the children of Israel as they're going through the wilderness. His personal name, Yahweh, at the time of the Exodus. And And it gave them unprecedented access to God. They're at Sinai, and God literally comes down and wants to talk to them. Now, it scared the liver out of all of them. And they said, no, 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 we don't want to hear his voice. Moses, you go talk to him. You tell us what he says. It's too scary. But God gave them his name, and it revealed his character, Yahweh, a God of faithfulness. The God is going to take you from point A to point B to point C to point Z, wherever you need to go. He's going to lead you down the right path because that's his character. And he gave the prohibition of using his name uh, in, in an unworthy manner. In other words, don't use the Lord's name in vain because his name is so holy. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. And I don't have time to get into all the, the pieces of that this morning, but it talks about the reputation of God. The character and nature of God, his reputation is connected to his name. He is a faithful God. He will never leave you, nor he will forsake you. His promises are yes and amen. If we follow him and are led by him, he will take us to where we need to be. Maybe not where we want to be, but where we need to be. And when we get there, we go, you know what? I guess this really is where I wanted to be all along. Kind of like with Kim and I, she didn't want to marry me. She wanted to marry this pilot guy named Sam. <laughs> you know, she was, she was into this GQ stuff, and I'm, I'm like, XYZ, not GQ. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's weird. You know, I come bebopping across the campus in a pair of canvas Nikes and a pair of Levi's and a T-shirt, and that's it. I got a white-tailed deer tail hung to my whip antenna on my truck, you know, <laughs> Dog box in the back. At Southeastern University, or college back in those days, I had a dog box in the back of my truck. You know? But I fell in love with this little girl from Flint, Michigan. And I was not what she wanted. (laughs) Pam knows. Pam knows. Pam knows. I'm telling you what. You know? But the truth of the matter is, 
And, and I'm not, I look, I'm so thankful that she said yes. I'm, I, I'm so grateful that she said yes. Praise God. I, yes, praise God. <laughs> but the deal is this, and she's told me this over and over and over. She said, I thought I wanted that. But when God brought you into my life, I realized you were all that I needed and all I wanted. See, yes. Isn't that cool? Thank God she said yes. You know? But this is the deal with God. God leads us down those right paths. If we follow his leadership, he, he, he leads us in accordance with his character. Job said this. He said, to have a name is to bear a good reputation, while to be disreputable is to have no name at all. God's name is at stake. He leads you down the right paths for his namesake. His reputation is at stake there. Now, here's something that we need to understand. There is no other class of livestock, no other class of animal that requires more careful handling and more detailed direction than do sheep. The shepherd knows if that flock is going to flourish and the owner's reputation is to be held in high esteem as a good manager, the sheep has got to be under meticulous control and guidance. Left to themselves, as we said a while ago, they'll gnaw the grass down to the, to the, actually to the dirt. The land is barren, uh, but sheep are bent towards certain spots. They have favorite spots that we like to go to, kind of like us with restaurants, you know? We'll go to that restaurant. I got a restaurant here in town. I, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. I go to a number of restaurants, but I, there's one thing at those restaurants that I get. Kim goes, don't you want to try something else? No, I like this. I like this. I go to Chapala's. I like the burrito caliente. I love that thing. Every time I go in there, burrito caliente. It's a big burrito, but it's good. It's good. Okay? We're, no, we're not a whole lot different from that. They have a preference for certain spots that then those certain spots, the ground becomes quickly worn and it also, because it's worn, becomes infested with parasites and all, of, and, and all kind of uh, insects and stuff. The result of that is this, that the sheep and the owner, the land and the owner are ruined and the sheep are thin and they're sick. The greatest single safeguard that a shepherd has as a handling a flock is to keep them on the move. But the sheep... The shepherd acts to the benefit of the sheep, not just in order to preserve, to preserve his character or reputation, but he moves that way in a way that is consistent with the nature that his name reveals, and that is shepherd. He's going to take care of us. He's going to lead us to the still waters. He's going to lead us to the green pastures. He's going to lead us in the right paths to give us health of mind, body, and soul. He's going to do that for his namesake because he says in his name, I am love and I love you. Okay? All right, let's move on. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So now we move from a life of ease, still waters, green pastures, paths of right, you know, the right standing and all this, to a description of fearful threat. Whether it's grief, whether it's crisis, whether it's fear, the valley of the shadow of death. And I've been to Israel a few times, and, and there's a place where this, it's believed that this psalm was written. It's called Wadi Kelt. It's about halfway between Jerusalem and Jericho. And, and every time we go there, we get out and we walk up to the edge of this, and you see this deep, deep canyon. And along the, the outer edge of that canyon is an old ancient Roman aqueduct running along the, the, ridge, the, the ridge line. And below that, you see, and you look around the edge of this canyon, and you see sheep trails. You see sheep trails. And these sheep, the shepherds would lead these sheep down in this, through this valley to get up to the lush greenness up on the mountaintops. 
You know, in the summer months when things are really hot uh, in the... Uh, you know, in the low areas and the grass has been grazed over, he has to lead them up to the higher elevation because higher elevations, there's more moisture, there's more grass. And so he leads through the valleys. And when you look at Wadi Kelt, it's just this deep, deep, deep ravine. There's a monastery down in the bottom of it now. But in, in the days of David and the days of Christ, it wasn't there. And it was a sheep trail. It's also the road that the Good Samaritan would have traveled. And so it's a perilous place. There's a lot of danger there. There's a lot of predators, not to mention there were thieves and everything else when it comes to human beings and stuff like that. But the shepherd knows that he has to lead them this way, but there are more dangers going through the valleys up on the mountains. But yet the shepherd leads them. It's a rough, steep trail up the mountain, but he takes it, he takes it at a pace. Now, here's what, here's what I like about this. The shepherd takes the flock at the pace of the slowest sheep. He doesn't take the pace of the fastest and the strongest. He lets the slowest sheep set the pace for the flock. Now, I don't know if that, that's just the coolest thing to me. Now, the problem with that is because we're sheep and we're ornery and, and, and we, got, we want to do our own thing many times, we want to run ahead. But God says, no, 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 no. This is about community. This is about taking this together we're all on this journey, and we're going to go at the pace of the slowest sheep in the flock. But we're going to go through a dangerous area. The valley of the shadow of death is a dangerous, dangerous trek. But yet the shepherd leads them intentionally through this time. But he says this, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death, but because you're with me, I do not have to fear any evil. I will fear no evil. Despite the oppressiveness, despite the threatening setting, despite all the predators and all of those things, sheep are unafraid. I mean, they're walking along the side of this, this, this canyon wall. It's hundreds and hundreds of feet to the bottom. If they one misstep and they just, you know, I mean, they're just dead. But yet they're not afraid. They're following the shepherd at a pace the entire flock can walk at. He deals with the obstacles at hand and leads them to a place where the lushness of grass is once again at their disposal. They're never given over to fear because they know the Lord is with them. What did God say to us through, the, through, through uh, Paul? He said, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That only comes, that, that, that soundness of mind, that power and that love only comes when we follow the leadership of the shepherd. You're not going to find that peace doing your own deal. You're not going to find that, that peace trying to run ahead of the rest of the sheep. You're not going to find that peace trying to out, outwit the shepherd. You only find it when you follow the leadership of the shepherd. The psalmist's very real reasons for fear to fade into life is that it's in the presence of the shepherd. But in the presence of the shepherd, he says this, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I'm thinking a rod, you know, I'm thinking in terms of the American West, I'm thinking a rod is, you know, it's a stick, just a straight stick. That's not a rod. As I researched this out, what I found out was this, that a shepherd's rod is actually a young tree sapling that they dug up and pulled out of the ground and they cut it off, it's, about, it's probably about that long, depending on the length of the arm of the shepherd, they're tailored, they're whittled down with a knife 
or some sharp object to fit the arm of the shepherd. They're an extension of the shepherd's arm. And when it gets down to the root ball, they're whittled down to make a smooth, round, club-like end on it. That's the rod of a shepherd. Sometimes when you look at ancient pictures, you'll see this. You'll see that they've got the staff in one hand, but they've got this thing stuck in their belt. And sometimes you go, well, that, that looks like a sword. It's probably not a sword. It's probably the, the rod. And it looks like it's just this long stick with a round club, a round head on it. And they would use that for protection. It stood as a symbol of the strength of the shepherd. When David said, I have taken care of the lion and the bear, when, when they're telling him he can't deal with Goliath, he said, I took care of a lion that attacked my father's sheep. I took care of a bear that took care of It was that club that he would have used. Said, well, I thought David used a slingshot. That was on the giant. David couldn't have reached Goliath's forehead with a rod. Okay, he was too tall. David was too short. But the bear comes out. He didn't take his staff. He took his rod, the shepherd's rod. And that's what he used to kill the bear and the lion with. That club is what he used to take care and protect the, his father's sheep. Moses, when he threw it down, what did he throw down? When Pharaoh, when Pharaoh said, hey, God said, throw the rod down. Moses was a shepherd in his father-in-law's uh, sheep herd when he saw the burning bush. God said, what's in your hand? He said, well, I just got this stick. He said, throw it down. It becomes a snake. Moses is a better man than me. Sorry. I, that thing turned to snake. I leave the country. Don't come back. It's all good. Somebody else has to take care of Israel. <laughs> Don't do snakes. But a shepherd's rod is an important piece of equipment. It's an important piece of equipment. For you and I, the rod that we have at our disposal is the word of God. There's great assurance that we find in the Word of God as we contemplate the power and the authority of God's Word. It is what divides the soul and spirit. It's what reveals and lays, lays naked everything before us. It reveals the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's the rod of God. Your Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The rod is also used for discipline. The sheep gets out of line. Philip Keller says the shepherd would throw it to the side of a wayward sheep. Now, I don't know if that means you let it go, you throw it, or that you swing it. Okay? I know this, that as a sheep, as the sheep filled annuals, there are many, many times in my life, in the past of my life, and probably in the future as well, that God has to throw his rod at me to get me back in line. Because I have a tendency to pull I have a tendency to do my own thing. I have a tendency to want to run my own way and run at my own pace. And sometimes God has got to go, boom, slow down. I know there's no one else in this room and on, on, on the internet listening to this this morning that does that. But I'm just telling you, that has to happen to me. God has to use the rod on me. It talks about the rod of correction. It's used for discipline. But God doesn't do it randomly if the sheep are straying, if they're trying to get to where there's, they see some greenery and the shepherd recognizes it not as good grass, but as poisonous weeds. If they eat this, they'll die. He's got to get them back in line because they're going to push to the greenery. And a simple go, hey, y'all come back over here now doesn't work with them. He's got to, he's got to push them. He's got to push them with that. The rod also <clears throat> is used to examine and count the sheep. Remember when you, I know you maybe you've heard the story, but it talks about the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is brought and is put in a pen for, for a, a number of days and it is examined every day. They use the rod, the shepherd's rod to examine. It pulls the, the, shepherd's, the, the sheep's wool back. 
Because what happens a lot of times, they would sell a lamb, they would buy a lamb for sacrifice, and that lamb, the wool would be pulled out, and it would look like this lamb was a beautiful lamb, but you've got to get down underneath that wool and pull it apart to see the skin, and you, underneath there, sometimes you would find a blemish. And you've got to use that rod to pull it back. God uses that same rod, the rod of Scripture, to examine us and figure out where we are in Him. Your rod and your staff brings comfort. Ezekiel 20 says this, I will cause you to pass under the rod and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. It's a positive thing. Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. What are we saying? When David prayed that prayer, when we pray that same prayer, we're saying, Father, take the rod, the shepherd's rod, and check us out. Make sure that we're who we're supposed to be. Make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to do. Make sure that we're just not the facade on the outside. Get deep down underneath the wool that looks really nice on the surface, but deep down there may be some scars, there may be some blemishes, there may be some wounds that haven't healed up yet. Look deep down. Search me, oh God. Make sure there's nothing wicked in me. And we've got to yield to that. Your rod. Your rod. What about the staff? Do you know staff is only used for sheep? The staff is, a, is a, a unique instrument, and it's only used for the care and management of sheep and only sheep. It doesn't work for horses. won't work for cows or pigs. It is designed, shaped, and adapted especially to the needs of sheep. It's a long, that's just like what it looks like. It's a long, slender stick with a hook on it, a crook on one end of it, selected by the shepherd to suit him personally. The first thing it does is it identifies the shepherd as the shepherd. You know, maybe two or three guys out there with a rod, but the guy that's holding the staff is the shepherd. So it identifies him as the shepherd. It's usually, it's only used to the benefit of the sheep. It's a symbol of concern and compassion that the shepherd has for the sheep. And when sheep see a shepherd with a staff, it brings them comfort. I told you last week about being on the Navajo Reservation in Arizona. And the sheep are standing around. It's 110 degrees outside, and they're standing there. There's a hole of water. They're not getting in the water at all. And the shepherd comes over this little rise. He walks through the sheep, steps down into this little pool of water, takes the staff, and does this in the water. And every one of those sheep on the hillside come down and get in the water and begin to drink. He led them to quiet waters with his staff. They recognized that. When he put that staff in that water, they moved into the water and began to drink. The other piece of it, too, is that this, as, as a shepherd, maybe you're shepherding your household. Maybe, maybe as, a, as a husband and father, you understand your role as shepherding your house and your family. Sometimes it gives you something to lean on. Maybe you're a single mom and you're having to shepherd your household. The staff of God gives you something to lean on when you get a little tired and a little bit weary. But notice some other things about the shepherd, about the staff. The staff can be thought of in our life as the Holy Spirit. The staff of God for you and I is the Holy Spirit. When we're tired, when we're fatigued, when we don't know which way we're going, it's the Holy Spirit of God that speaks, this is the way walk in it. When, we don't, when we're so fatigued we don't know what to do, it's the Holy Spirit that comes into our life and gives us, gives us the rejuvenation and replenishment that we need. 
the empowerment to serve, the empowerment to, to walk in a new life in God. But there's three areas of use that the, that, the, that, the, that the staff has in sheep management. The first one is this. The staff is what the shepherd uses to draw the sheep together into an intimate relationship. Maybe, maybe a mother sheep has, has stepped off the, off the plateau, the mesa there, the tableland, maybe off into the rocks, and she's had a baby sheep. And she can get up the steep hill, but the little, so the shepherd reaches down with the hook and he picks the little baby sheep up and brings it, back, brings it up to the mother. So he can lift the little sheep with that. It, brings, it draws them together. If they get separated, it's the way. And the, way he, the reason he does that is so that he doesn't put his hands on the baby sheep and get his scent all over it. He pulls the sheep up with the staff and puts it to his mother. The second use is that it's used to guide. You know, they're walking, they're walking through. Maybe, maybe one of them is starting to, to stray a little bit. He can just take the staff. He doesn't, it's not time for the rod. He just takes the staff and just gently touches it, gets it back in line. Just gently gets it back in line. Sometimes the touch of the staff is a communication between the sheep and the shepherd as they walk along the trail together. And then the third is this. It's used to untangle sheep from the brush. They get off the path, they get into the thorns and everything else and the vines, and it gets all tangled up into, into, their, into, their, into their wool, in their coat. And the staff pushes back the thorny bushes and, and, and it frees it from the, shep, from the sheep and that way he can get out of there without being hung in the brush. Psalm 22 says this, He trusts in the Lord. They say, let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him. And when we yield to that leadership of God in our life, when we recognize that even in the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear evil because God's rod and his staff are there. He is with us. And they bring us comfort. And they bring us peace in that. And we can respond the same way. You who fear the Lord, praise him, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. When we cry out to God, God reaches down with his staff and he just grabs us and he lifts us back into right relationship with him. You see, the psalmist knows that it's at the presence of God's rod and staff that fear vanishes. There are a lot of people that live fearful lives. They just, you just live eaten up with fear. You're afraid of everything under the sun. But I'm here to tell you this morning that if we follow the leadership of the shepherd, we do not have any cause to fear. Because God's rod and God's staff is with us, and he will always bring us comfort. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, he comforts me. He is with me. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Life with the shepherd is secure. And the rod and the staff will guide us and protect us. Let's stand all over the room this morning.